Welcome to Momentum Church. Open your Bibles to John chapter 11, John chapter 11, and I'm going to basically, um, I'm going to preach the word, but I'm going I'm to be really honest. I come here with kind of a heavy heart, all right? And, and the reason why <clears throat> is as, as people in this world, we go through hard times and difficult times, don't we, at times? Yeah. How many... Be honest, right now you're going through a troubled time. Just raise your hand. I mean, like, like going, it's okay. It's, we've all been there. You're going through a troubled time. And, and, and as your pastor, I'll just be honest, there's times where I get the privilege to go through that troubled time with you. And, and, and I haven't pastored long enough, just 30 years this past March, but I haven't pastored long enough where I'm cynical and jaded yet. When our church people hurt, it hurts my heart. Amen. When you guys go through stuff and you invite us to walk through it with you, it is a burden that we cherish, but it's a burden we bear with you. And, and I'll just be honest, the day I get jaded about it, the day it's not important, that's the day you all should fire me. Don't, don't do that. But you should, amen? And so the last two weeks have been full of troubled times in people's lives. The last two weeks, we have had so many people needs I went to a courthouse to help a father who had lost access to his son, rightfully so, not doing the things he needed to do, and lost access. And for now, well over a year, working so hard to earn that back, and he has, but still all the stipulations, everything he has to go through, and I get that, and he gets that, but that troubled heart of a man who hasn't seen his kid for over a year missing birthdays and Christmas and Easter and Halloween and all the other events that they, they experienced together. And, and he would say, yes, by fault of my own, but, but, but still, now it's just that all the hard ends they have to go through to get to seeing his kid. Was in the hospital last week with a man dealing with infection in both his feet and his knee. Man, the, the, just, this is going to be the year, year and a half I get everything fixed. And they're having to remove hardware out of his foot, hardware out of his knee, because it's so infected. Having to take a toe off his foot. Poor guy. And I'm sitting there, and I could just, he's trying to be strong. But I, I, my mind, and maybe I'm wrong. If I was laying there, my brain, because I can be a pessimist and cynical. Amen? Amen? I'm, I would be laying there. What are they going to take next? How much in my foot? How much in my leg? How much? Mm. So my heart's heavy for, for this guy. Another man loses his father this week all too soon. His father died, and there were some relational um, 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 things that, that just didn't get to be finished. Some stories that didn't get to be told, some, some, some maybe back and forth forgiveness, some frustrations, all those kinds. You know how it is. Death never, ever comes planned. It's always a bit of a surprise, but... This is just too much of a surprise, and that's a burden that the man's carrying as he's trying to get through these troubled times with the loss of his, of his father. Was at another hospital visit in the past two weeks, and this man, blistering sores all over his body, he had got out of the bed and was sitting in a chair trying to eat, and all on the bed was just broken pieces of flesh, scabs. I mean, this guy is just sore from the waist to his arms, 
ever just all over, and they don't know why. They believe it's some sort of an immunodeficiency of some sort. They're trying to figure it out, but this is a troubled time that he's going through. And just walking with him through those things, my heart's heavy because I know they're not the only ones that are going through troubled times. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand one more time here. Raise your hand. You're going through some troubled times, some things. Yeah. So today what I want to do, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to turn to John chapter 11, and I want to look at a passage of Scripture. I have preached this passage so many times. I think I even preached a portion of this on Easter. And so I was like, God, we know this Scripture. But we're preaching through John, and this is where we are, John chapter 11. So I'm going to be true to our process this year. And so the Lord has a word for us. As we're going to look in this scripture at three truths for troubled times. Three truths for troubled times. John 11, verse 1 through 4. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. A certain man. Anytime in scripture you see it say a certain man, it's not speaking of an allegory. It's speaking of an actual narrative that happened. A certain man left Jerusalem and went down to Jericho. And on his way, he fell amongst thieves and they left him beaten in the street. That's the good Samaritan, a certain man. That was a story that actually happened. This is a story, much the same, that actually happened. And Lazarus, Bethany is a town not too far from Jerusalem, just a couple miles. And Jesus had spent lots of time with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. What Mary was this? It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. These are people who have an intimate relationship with Jesus. These aren't passive friends. This is a home that Jesus often would respite in as he would minister in Jerusalem and then go down to Bethany to respite with his friends, people he was close to. Verse 3, so the sisters sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read scriptures like that, it irks me. I'll just be honest. At the expense or the chance of lightning striking me dead on this stage, I get frustrated with God that God's going to get the glory through all the junk I'm going through. Am I the only one? I'm so glad I can go through this so you can get the glory. I'm going to run over here. <laughs> no, but I'm just being honest with my emotions. I felt that way many times as the Lord has helped me grow the last 30 years. I felt that way so many times. God, I don't get it, and I'm mad, and I'm angry, and I'm cynical, and I'm frustrated, but I know your word says that there's a purpose in this, and you're going to get glory, and I don't believe it's just the glory of God. I believe it's to the glory of God and to the benefit of you and others. Amen? I know that, but oh, at times it can be so frustrating when I'm going through it. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you three truths for troubled times. And my hope is that as you leave here today, you'll just be able to breathe a little easier, you know, holding on to these truths. So Jesus, right now, guide my, my speech, guide your word, allow it to set not just on our ears, but in our hearts. We invite your Holy Spirit to do a work of comfort We invite your Holy Spirit to come and do a work of of just rest within us for weary souls. We thank you, Jesus, that you call us to yourself. 
where your burden is easy and your yoke is light. And so today, Jesus, we lean into you during our troubled times. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seats if you would. So three truths for troubled times. Our first truth is this. It's not over until Jesus says it's over. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Jesus looked at this. I mean, it looks bleak. We know the story. This man dies. This man goes into a grave. This man's in a grave for four days. This is pretty serious, right? But on the front side of it, when they're told, when he's told that Lazarus is ill, he says, this illness does not end in death. Did Jesus lie? No. Did the man die? Yes. Did he stay dead? No. But in the moment, we, this man's going to die. This illness does not end in death. It is for the glory of God. <clears throat> Jesus knew what was going to happen. These people didn't. And it's not over till it's over. No matter what you're going through, it isn't over until it's over. When everything is over, Jesus is saying in this whole story, you're going to see basically, when everything is over, it's like Jesus is like, my life. And my resurrection power will be seen all over this event. And I'm here to declare to you, I don't care what the troubled time looks like. If you walk through it in the right process, if you walk through it close to Jesus, if you'll guard your heart from bitterness and cynicism, if you allow God to get his glory through this, if that's the case, when it comes down to it, you will see his resurrection power all over what you're going. You'll see it. I can look back time and time again in my life where I went through things, and in the moment, ooh, I wasn't handling it very well, but as I got through it and I look back, ah, Jesus, I see your hands all over everything. And the reason why is because this illness wasn't because of sin, we see, but for a higher purpose. It's for a higher purpose. And what I love about that is God is not measured by time. When God says it's over, it's over. And that isn't the idea that God has got to the end of that experience and he goes, okay, experience is over. No, it's a command of the Lord. Check this. God said, let there be light. And there was, oh, Jesus says at the end of the scripture, Lazarus come forth and Lazarus came forth, right? So when I say it's not over till he says it's over, there comes a moment in the things you're going through where the voice of God speaks and says, it is over. And guess what? It's over. Ah. Even Jesus models this in his own life. When you think of our superheroes, superheroes don't die. They live and they rescue everybody. But Jesus, he dies. And he goes on the cross, looking like a defeated person. And he's on the cross, and he cries out, it is over. He said, it is finished. But guess what? When he said, it is finished, it was over. When he said, it is finished, in that moment, death, hell, and all the grave, all those things, victory was already won in that moment. Man, the sky grew dark. Graves opened up. People started coming about the grave. When that happened, the veil in the temple was rent. And so at that moment, it said we have complete access into the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. But it sure looked like he was on a cross. It sure looked like he put a dead man in a grave for three days. It sure looked like that, the defeat and the devil had won. But oh, Jesus got glory. God got glory. And you got a redeemed life because of it. 
Why? Because it's not over till he says it's over. There's been things in my life where, thank God, I can look back and I can see, God, that chapter is over. I have declared it done. You have learned what you need to learn. You have grown where you need to grow. Guess what? More stuff will come. But right now, this is over. See my glory. Celebrate what happened. Praise God for what's going on. Amen? Verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. And now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, no, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. I was, I was glad I'm not there so that you could grow. I'm glad I wasn't there so you could develop. I'm glad I wasn't there so that something through this experience could be added to you. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. I'm glad. And the whole book of John is centered on that you would know Jesus, believing in him, and that in doing so, you would have life. That when you're going through the troubled times now, you can look at this and say, I know Jesus is in the middle of my troubled times. And in doing so, I know glory's coming. I know abundant life is coming. I can have faith and belief in that. And so listen, what your experience looks like isn't what it is. I don't want you to miss this. I'm going to say it again. What your experience looks like isn't what it is. It's what it's becoming. Man, you could take a whole month and develop, like, like, just meditate on that. What you're experiencing isn't what it is. It's what you're becoming. So the trouble you're going through, it has that opportunity to shape you into what you're becoming, both for the good or for the bad, and that's your choice. But the enemy of your heart would love to cut you with a two-edged sword. He would love to slice you one way with the troubled time and then come back and dismiss your relationship with God, cause you to distance yourself from God, from God's peace, God's hope, God's strength, the learning process of it, and cut you again. He would love that. And I just want to come in the middle of this and just let you know, it's not over till it's over. You're going through stuff, whatever that might look like. There are divorced people in this church right now. And listen to me. If you're married, stay married. Amen? Good testimony. Stay married. If you're struggling, talk to us. We'll get you into some counseling. Amen? But we have divorced people in this church who there was a moment in their life that they thought it's over. There's a, there's a person in our church who had a call of God on their life and in their 20s was married early and that man didn't follow after God and that wife ended up divorced. And for her in that moment, the future is over for the ministry that I believe God had for me. It's over. No, 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 no. It's not over till it's over. Till he says it's over. And years later, God's used that woman so significantly, remarried, has a bunch of kids, has served on our staff years ago. God, we love that woman. <sighs> Why? Because it wasn't over. It looked like it. But Jesus had a plan and a purpose. Amen? I love it. So it's not over till it's over. So as you look at your experience, though, you can get locked into what it is. But God, look at this. Look what, look what it is. Look at this is what I'm going through. And you can lose sight of what it's becoming, what you could be becoming with what it is. So these disciples look at the situation, and she's asleep, or he's asleep. No, he's dead. Well, you know what? Kind of both is true. He is dead. Jesus told them that. 
But Jesus knew he was going to raise him again. So in a sense, is he sleeping? Is he dead? He is dead for sure. Jesus said, certainly. But it's two ways of looking at the same situation. So you have your experience. This is the loss. This is the death. This is the troubled time. This is what I'm going through. And I can allow that to be what it is. And all my focus goes on that. Or I can have the experience versus the divine outcome. The divine outcome was, it doesn't matter what this looks like. Dead or asleep, this man's going to rise again. And so it doesn't matter what it's looked like. God's bringing restoration to you. Amen? Well, it doesn't matter what it looks like. If you'll go through this, God's bringing growth to you. God's doing something for his glory and your benefit, no matter what it is, because it's not over till he says it's over. So where do you get your reality from, though? If you're so focused on what it is, not what it's becoming, where do you get your reality? You get your reality from what you see and what you feel. So when you look at your situation, what do you see? How's that making you feel right now? How's that making you feel? For the believer, though, our reality has to be shaped not by what we see, not by what we feel. It has to be shaped by what we know. And I'm not talking about gnosis. That's knowledge acquired. I'm talking about epigenosis. That's like that, that deep inner knowing from God, that God places deep on the inside of you as you know his word, as you hear his word, as you speak his word, amen? And so as we're looking at the thing that we're seeing or feeling, we've got to put that into submission with what we know, and we know what the word says about the situation you're going through. I told the first service, take a piece of paper. What do I see? What do I feel? And write down the negative things that you're seeing and feeling about the situation you're in. And then use that as a study guide to get to the word of God and say, okay, God, what do you say over me in these things? Over here, I'm going to lose my house. But I know I am faithful a worker. I know I am giving to God. I'm faithful in my giving. But everything, I've had so many other things hit me hard. And I'm going to lose my house because I'm taking care of all these other things I didn't expect. Medical, whatever it was. I'm going to lose my And then you come over to the promise. But you're the Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. And Lord God, I don't care. If I do lose my house, you have a plan and a purpose. Jesus, you had no place to rest your head. And you're doing pretty good right now. Lord, I'm submitted to you, whatever this looks like. But write that negative, write that thing you're feeling or seeing, and then write something on the other side as a declaration. Use it as your study guide for the week. Lord, show me in the word what counteracts this lie. And here's what's beautiful about that. I said the enemy would try to cut you two ways. Well, guess what? The word of God is a double-edged sword, amen? And it'll cut two ways also. It'll divide the lie, and it'll bring forth a way for God to bring his truth and pour it deep into your heart, reminding you that it's not over till it's, till it's over. So regardless of how we feel, regardless of what we see, nothing is over until Jesus says it's over. Our second truth in time of trouble is this. What you're going through is not because God has forgotten you. I want to rest on that just a little bit. If you're going through something, look at me. God hasn't forgotten. I felt that way at times. I really did. You've heard my testimony. I was mad at God years ago over some stuff. And I'm just like, God, I'm not talking to you anymore. 
what I, that was my prayer life for a month, 30 days, about a month, maybe a little bit more than a month. I would literally declare this. I would say, I don't talk to people I don't trust, and I don't trust you, so I'm not talking to you. Wah. But I did. I had a little pity party for about a month. Still preached every Sunday. They were horrible sermons. <laughs> they really were. Don't talk to your people when you don't talk to Jesus. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's a good, it's pastors watching today. Stop preaching if you're not talking to Jesus, right? But, um, but that's where I was at because I felt like God had forgotten me. But watch this. I, I mean, and there's a reason for that. Like nobody wants to feel forgotten, right? Years ago, I was driving my motorcycle to Cartersville to get a payment. I used to have a carpet cleaning business as the church was growing, and I was going to a realtor I did a lot of work for to get a check. And I get up to Cartersville, and my bike has a flat tire. I'm on the highway, 75, rear tire, thank God. But I got a flat tire. I get off to the gas station. I buy slime or the, the, the foam. That didn't work. I try to put it in. I'm driving. It's flying everywhere. So I call Amy. No answer. Love you, baby. I call her again. No answer. I call her again. No answer. I call her again. No answer. So then I call Pastor Corey. These are people that care about me. <laughs> no answer. I call Corey. No answer. I call Corey. No answer. So then I'm like, yeah, I got to get back home. So I just take my motorcycle on the side of 75, and I go like 12, maybe 15 miles an hour with that flat tire just rolling, roll, 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 rolling on the rim, you know? And, um, and I get home, and I can't remember how long it took. And it was hot summer, and the bike's hot because I'm not moving, and it was not fun. And I come in, and he was like, well, hey, how you doing? I'm like, doing good. I'm doing good. I've been trying, been trying to call you for two hours, you know? Oh, the phone's upstairs. And, um, man, and, and I get that. I, I keep my phone in my pocket all the time, like reasonable people. <laughs> but I felt forgotten, guys. I, I mean, it's just like, ugh, come on. I felt like there wasn't care. I'm not saying I doubted her love in the moment, but I still just doubted everything else. You know, well, I want you to see something. In John 11, verse 5 through 6, what you're going through is not because God has forgotten you, Watch this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I like how it, says, it doesn't say Jesus loves them. It's very, I just like that. I don't know why it feels precious to me. I love Martha. I love your sister. I love, I love all y'all. You know? He loved them. You could see when the sisters came, the one whom you love is ill. You can see years, like, not years later, days later when he shows up and he goes to the, to the tombs. And he looks over the situation, and he says the shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. And then some theologians will, will say that's because his heart was broken at the lack of faith of the people to believe. You know what I feel? I feel like he knew. This man was sick, and I didn't come. This man has died and has been in this grave almost four days. This man and this family have carried burdens that they didn't need to carry. And these are my friends, and I love them, and I haven't forgotten them. But there's a timeline here that's different than their expectations, and my heart breaks for what they've had to go. You can say I'm wrong. Just write me an email. Write it to Corey at MomentumChurch.tv. <laughs> we'll debate all day long about it, okay? Just keep using that email. But, but that's just my thought, that, that he's weeping because he knows his people, his friends, who he's so close and intimate to, were hurting. And so, yeah, no, Jesus, Jesus loved these people, 
And he stayed two days later. It says when he found out that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Who does that? Who? If I'm in a meeting and my phone rings and it's Amy or Adelie or Zachary or, or Grant or Auburn or I got a lot of children or, or Maver- Maverick or Arden using mama's phone. Guess what? That meeting is stopped for a second. That's the only people I do it for. As soon as the phone rings and I look and it's their names, excuse me, I need to check on, it's my family. You know, I'm going to find out. Why? Because I love them more than Amy loves me. <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I'm going to find out. Because when you love someone and they need you, you go to them. Right then, you know. I had a bike, electrical issue, didn't run. Call, call, and I walked home. I locked my keys in my car at Target. Call, call, call. And I walk home. (laughs) I'm just being truthful. I think Amy, like Jesus, was just giving me a chance to grow a little. She, she was giving me that opportunity, like Jesus, to exercise my own faith and ability to overcome trouble, and I want to thank you publicly for that. <laughs> now, I did start to learn not to lock my keys in the car, and I did start to learn you better do better maintenance on your motorcycle, you know, and so on. I say all that just to say, though, what you're going through doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. What appears unloving actually may be God's greatest kindness. I was so mad at him so many times. So frustrated so many times. But I wouldn't be who I am today had I not been through those things. Because it wasn't about what it is, it's about what it's becoming. It's not about what the situation was, it's what God's doing with the situation in our lives. If we'll let him. And there's times I let him well, and there's times I fought him But here's what I did find out. Those troubled times, literally, when I look back on them, they have become gifts to me that brought growth. They were gifts where it was as dark as it could be, let's say financially, and they brought provision. I saw what God could provide in the nth hour, like 1159 point right at the end. Those troubled times, when I look back, I can see the gifts of increased faith and confidence that have come. And here's what's beautiful about that. It's faith and confidence in Jesus. To know you brought me through once, you can bring me through again. But guess what also? It's faith and confidence in myself. I'm not the whining, punk, 33-year-old church planter that I once was. And I have confidence when I go through trials and troubles. I had a situation this week that, a, like, probably six years ago, would have derailed me for a month. Person said, I had two people this week say something ugly, you know, not people in the church. It had derailed me for a month. But I come to you, I talk about it, and I feel better. No. No, I just, literally, I read it. It was like, okay, that's their opinion. This is my life. This is what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing for the kingdom, and you know, try to find the bit of truth. My pastor Blair always said to me, you know, there's a little truth in everything people say. So try to find that bit of truth and take that, be humble. 
but I have more confidence in who I am and the call God has on me and the call God has on this church. And it doesn't rate, like, shake me like it did years ago. Why? That's a gift. Because I've been through the troubled times where people misunderstood. I've been through the troubled times. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? So it's a gift of self-confidence, not just confidence in Jesus, but confidence in myself. And going through troubled times is a gift of having confidence, increased confidence and faith in others. You go through it and you start to see people going through it with you. And man, that's a brother that sticks close. Man, my small group rallied. That's why it's so important to be a part of small groups. This isn't a pitch for small groups. Yes, it is. I'll just do it. I'm telling you right now, small groups and ministry teams is where it's at. It's just where it's at. Those people, when you go through stuff and you're in a small group or a ministry team, do you mean I have to be connected to a church to feel connected to a church? Gosh, that's ridiculous. (laughs) That's funny. I've never said that in my life. I absolutely love that. Yes, you have to be connected to feel connected. Amen? Casual in, casual out, right? But man, when you're connected, it's... You got that family around you. So you go through the troubled times and it builds your faith in, the, in your family. Like these people are with me. They're coming through life with me. So that's number two. You're going through something. God hasn't forgotten you. Don't let that discourage you to think he stopped loving, has forgotten, doesn't have a plan, etc. Hold on and just, God, what are you trying to do in my life to grow? What are you working out in my life? And it, it is so important. In Ohio years ago, I, I heard my admin laughing after a phone call in the other room. Didn't know what it was. And she comes in. She says, Pastor Ross, she said, I had a lady call. She wants you to marry her and her man. And I explained, you will marry them, but you have to do five, four to five counseling sessions with them. And she said, oh, that's not necessary. I've been married four times, and the guy I married has been married five <laughs> Can I say that, like, if, if, if that many times, most likely you're the common denominator. So in the troubled times you're going through it, like, what are you, how are you growing through it? Like, what, what are you becoming? What, and so here goes another opportunity. I could have poured in. But in the moment, nah, not interested. Not interested. Breaks your heart, you know? And, and I just, this is a caveat, but I'll just say this. What they were looking for was an officiant to do a wedding. Y'all, I am not an officiant, amen? I'm a pastor, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I stand before you to marry you, we go before the throne room of God, and this is an altar as two people are coming into a covenant relationship, amen? And so I'm not an officiant. I'm not, I no, no, no problems with officiants. There's people out there that... that become officiants, and that's what they do, and they, they make a lot of money marrying people, you know? Dude, I want to sit down and shepherd you. If I'm marrying you, we're going to counsel. We're going to take time. I want to pour into you. Amen? Does that make sense? I'm not sure why I shared that, but I just, I just, ooh, I just, I guess I'm sharing it because a lot of people just go so fast through stuff, and then there's troubles, and they don't grow from the troubles. They don't learn from the troubles, and God wants us to know that, that he hasn't forgotten us, but in the middle of that, we need to learn and grow. Number three, last one. Jesus handles things differently than we handle things. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Provides tax coin out of the mouth of a fish. That's weird. Yeah. A couple weeks ago, we preached about the mud on the blind eyes, guy's eye. That's weird. Allows a battle to be won with the blast of a trumpet. 
and the breaking of a jar, so 300 men, their light can shine. That's weird. Starts a church by people going to a park, just painting faces and loving on people. Strange. Jesus, he does, he just does things different. I thought we were going to start the church by inviting people to our home. And so we would meet people and we invite them back to our house. And they would look like at us like we had like horns. You know, like, like I'm not coming to your house because you're going to eat my brains. And I, but that's what I thought. I thought we could invite people and we're just going to get in the word and we're going to read and study and teach and develop a small group. And then that'll get bigger and bigger. And it just didn't happen. And so what are we going to do? So we go to a park and we start doing what we did. And next thing you know, 50% of my church is unchurched. There was a lot of F-bombs at church. I'm serious. There was a lot of, oh, no, at church. There, I mean, like, I'm going, oh, and you get good little sweet Christian people moving to the area, and they're looking for a new church. And I got all these, like, wild people. You know what those wild people are called now? Board members. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I love it. But, but God, no, that's how God, it was different. It wasn't the way I planned it. It was hard. It was different. But God has used it to create a very unique, very real culture around here. And I love that. So Jesus handled things different. Watch this. Verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I want it done this way. I called, you didn't come when he was sick. And if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. This is on you, Jesus. Jesus wasn't threatened by this. This didn't shake Jesus one bit. Because Jesus isn't bound by time. That man's just as alive four days later as he could have been three days before. Jesus isn't bound by time. He wouldn't have died. But even now I know that you ask from God, God will give it to you if you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And so here she goes again. She's like, I get it. I get it. This is how it's going to happen. Mary said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Like at the end time. Yes, he's going to rise again. This is how it's going to be handled. You missed it once, Jesus, but I know at the end. And Jesus is like, no, this is not how I'm going to handle this. He goes, I am the resurrection and the life. (laughs) Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives, believes in me, shall never die. He's just in that moment, he's like, no, I got that. I'm handling this. I'm the resurrection and life. You're looking at the wrong way of looking at this. I'm handling this. I'm dealing with this. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I'm not late one moment. So Jesus handled things differently than we handle things. And that's okay. Everybody say, that's okay. I hope hope when you say that, it's just you feel a, I'm looking at all this. You know what? It's okay. It's okay, Jesus. I'm submitted to you. You're handling this different than I expect. It's okay. I mean, Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus knows how he's going to do it. Jesus knows when he's going to do it. 
and he's not limited by time and space. So when he sees my situation, he sees the end, the beginning, the middle. When he was on the cross and he said, it is finished, he saw you sitting here saved 2,000 years later. He's not bound by time. He sees the provision he already has for you so that this can be a season where it will bring him glory and you benefit. It's almost trite we use the scripture so much, but it's so good. All things work together for the good of those who love God. Those troubled times, it's an invitation. It's an opportunity to lean into him, not to get bitter like pastor has before, not to get cynical, but to lean into him. Okay, Lord, it's okay. I don't know why I lost my job, but it's okay. I don't know why I'm going through this sickness, but it's okay. I'm going to lean into you, God. And I know this is what it looks like and feels like, but I know your word says, by your stripes I am healed. Amen? I'm going to hold on to that, Jesus. That's what your word, that's what I know. That's what I'm going to hold on to. There were times I thought everything I put my hands to was dying, losing, going backwards. But God knew the days ahead, and he was preparing me to become what I needed to become to walk in those days. And today I'm walking better than I've ever walked before when it comes to dealing with troubled times. Guess what I hate? I'll have more opportunities to try to learn. And so will you. Amen? Amy won't answer that phone again. It'll happen. I guarantee you. And in that moment, I'll learn how to have grace and patience. She's pulling that out of me, pulling that out of me, pulling that out of me. <laughs> see, I didn't see his power and provision at work when I wanted to, but oh, I can look back and see time after time after time, he showed up right when I needed him to, and I could see his glory all over it. I could see, finally, it's like, oh Lord, here it is, here's the answer. And then I can look back in retrospect and go, you were there, 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 you were there. In the middle of it, where are you, where are you, where are you, where are you? But at the end, I can see it all the way. The main thing is I just don't want to stop walking with him. I just, you just don't stop walking with him, though. When you're in the troubled times, let these statements of truth just kind of give you a fresh breath. And don't stop walking with Jesus because, yes, he will handle it different. That's Okay. There may be a divine delayed response, but that's okay. Verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. That word then is a marker of time. That time wasn't a threat to Jesus that he'd been dead four days. Jesus can bring him back to life and remove the stink both. Come on. Amen. He did it for you. He saved you and cleaned you up. Took the stench of sin off your life. Amen. So it doesn't matter. Then Jesus deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I love that. I, to me, what this is saying is whatever troubled times you're going through, God's not just going to deal with the situation. He's also going to deal with the ancillary stink as well. Amen? Your life is going to be very frustrating, though. Don't miss this. Life's going to be very frustrating if you live it expecting Jesus to do what you want him to do 
how you want him to do it and when you want him to do it. Oh, it's going to be a very frustrating life. And so I want you to lean back because he does have a plan. He does have a purpose. It may be different than what you expect, but that's okay. Because in verse 41, they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hand and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. He was all in his grave clothes. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I don't know if your situation is similar to this as far as the feeling, the emotion. How many has ever had a gut punch? Like any guys in here, you ever been in a fight? Yeah, too many. And I don't like getting hit in the stomach. Hit me in the face. Don't hit me in the stomach. You know, I don't have a strong stomach. And it just takes all the air out of you, you know? And not only did this family have a gut punch, they had a bunch of them. Our our brother is sick and it looks tragic. Boom. There goes the air out of their lungs. They lose their breath. Call Jesus. We see him do miracles. He's our friend. He comes to our home all the time. He'll come. Hey, Jesus, come. Doesn't come right away. Delays two days. Day one. Gut punch. Oh, where is he? I thought he was supposed to come. Did you guys tell Jesus? Yeah, we told him he's supposed to come. Day two. Then the gut punch, he dies. And the realization, it's over. This is it. He's dead. And now, and now they're putting grave clothes on him. It's feeling so final. This is over. Another gut punch. There goes the breath. Now we put him in a tomb. We close the tomb up. Jesus finally shows up. I mean, it's just gut punch after gut punch. You may feel like that, like the wind or the air has been knocked out of you. We sang this morning, I have found breathing room. My prayer for you today is that these three truths in troubled times will just give you some breathing room. You know, just close your eyes for a second. It's not over till it's over. Oh, Holy Spirit, please just birth that in our hearts, the realization of that truth. It's not over till it's over. It's not over till you say it is finished. And when you say it is finished, all the good stuff's just beginning. Let us get air in our lungs from that God. Oh, it's just a spiritual deep breath. It's not over till it's over. Lord, you haven't forgotten us. The experience we're going through isn't because you've forgotten us or you don't love us. God, you're right there with us through this. Lord, breathe through your Holy Spirit. Breathe, Holy Spirit. Fill us with fresh breath right now, God. Just, I can live this day. I can live this day. I can can take another step forward, Jesus. It's not the way I would handle it, Jesus. It's okay. Lord, breathe upon us through your Holy Spirit. Reminding us it's okay. He handles it different. His ways are not like ours. His thoughts are not like ours. His ways are higher. And Lord, with that perspective that is higher, you can see the beginning and the end and the middle and every little thing coming together for your glory and for our good. And so, Lord, we lean into that. We just take a deep breath. We have found breath. Our hearts are wide open, Lord, to breathe in everything that you have, that freshness today, God, from you, that refreshing from you. As we breathe in the word that you have spoken to us that defeats every lie, As we breathe in, Lord God, the knowledge of who you are and your desires for us and through us, 
that continues, Lord God, daily as we remind ourselves that defeats the lies of the enemy. Lord, I thank you for these truths in troubled times. Right now, if you have a troubled thing you're going through, raise your hand again. Raise your hand one more time. Lord, you see these hands. Man, hands all over the place. Lord, let this just be a week where they lean back into you with confidence in who you are, the Christ, and that through you they can have life and that that life is abundant, Jesus. That through the troubled times and the experiences they're going through, God, you have a purpose and a plan. You will receive glory. They will receive benefit and walk in the gifts, <laughs> the things the enemy wanted to steal, but all those things the enemy meant for evil, you turn for good as we lean into your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.